When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply about our bikes deal uh, yesterday and the day before and the day before that coming up here on Saturday. We sold that bad boy out, so we're going to get a lot of kids' bikes in the great city of Indianapolis. You know what? Let's start out with, well, half the women are women. What are the other half? I don't know. But Joe Biden speaks. Then I got to get into something. You're not going to believe what men are being blamed for as soon as I get through this. Let's hear from Jolton Joe, Jersey Joe, sniffing Joe Biden right from the top from our friend Indy Spanglish, who is a great follow on Twitter. Let's hear from Jolton Joe. More than half the women in my cabinet, more than, more than half the people in my cabinet, more than half the women in my administration are women. More than half the women in my administration are women. The other half are farm animals. The other half are dudes. Look, I, I echo my wife. First, the man's an idiot. First, the man doesn't know where he is. Second, it's really sad that his wife, the good doctor, keeps trotting him out there. But let's be honest. I don't think any of us, those days are gone. Half the women of half the women are women. Yeah, I think we're tired of all that. I think we're tired of guys saying, well, you know, look at who I hired. Uh, We've seen in every area of life, whether it is NFL refereeing, when you lower standards for woke and diversity, you're getting NFL refereeing. We saw it tragically, tragically on the police force in Memphis where we're going to lower the standards so that we can get more diverse. Yeah, really? Um, Okay, I think people are a little tired of that. I think people are a little tired of people saying, well, you know, we got this, that, and the other. We hired a director of transportation because, let's be honest, he's a gay male married to another gay male. I mean, he fit all the boxes. And how's that worked out for us as this buffoon, Pete Buttigieg, has really screwed up every single thing he's been asked to be in charge of. Now, is it his fault? I don't know. I just know that you're the head of the company. Company goes bad, CEO gets fired. I think we're all tired of it. Like Patrick Mahomes talked about, you know, first time two African-American quarterbacks are are, are in the Super Bowl. And yeah, everybody went, okay. Yeah, I mean, I think I get it. But I think we've all kind of moved on. I do. I think we've moved on to, hey, let's do a great job. Who are we hiring? I think lowering standards. Look, we understand this. The dirty secret in college sports is you're not allowed to give certain players, certain athletes, lower than a seat. I mean, every coach will tell you, yeah, you know, it's great. When's the last time you heard of somebody being academically ineligible in a college sport? When's the last time? Basketball is two semesters, right? How's that going to go when these guys got to get out in the real world? Look, Joe, we're proud of you, man. You're great. You get out here and you're dead-eyed, they wind you up, you're dead-eyed, you don't know what you're talking about, and you make total sense, uh, total nonsense. Let's hear from Jolton Joe again about half of the women are half of the women are half of the women. What's he got to say? Let's, let's, let's listen to Joe again. More than half the women in my cabinet, more than, more than half the people in my cabinet, more than half the women in, the, in my administration are women. 
Okay. The other half are sheep. The other half are farm. The other half are men. Maybe that's it. Uh, this is a story that is unbelievable to me. I literally just saw it right before the broadcast. It's unbelievable to me. So, Florida State beat Duke in women's basketball. Apparently, in the first half, some of the Duke women were complaining about the ball. Turns out at halftime, they realized they were playing the first half with a men's basketball. Now, I got to tell you, men's basketball, women's basketball, they're different. 28.5 is a women's. I don't even know what a men's is, but it's much smaller. You can feel it. So, what does Carol Lawson do? Carol Lawson, who had a bad team during COVID, so she shut, shut the season down. Carol Lawson, who I used to work with, she would say something really not very smart and then look at you. And I couldn't look. I'm like, whoa. And then when I didn't look at her, she would go to David Seitz with the boss. Duggins won't look at me. I'm like, I, she's creepy. She's staring right at me. What? Carol Lawson, who got, for whatever the reason, you see her right there as a Celtics coach. All right. And everybody had to say, well, she's great. Let me tell you how great she isn't. Carol Lawson blamed the men's game for the fact that she, her players, the other coach, their players, didn't know that they were playing with a men's basketball. Now, let me say that again. They did not know. They complained about the ball. Nobody stopped the game and said, hey, we're playing with a men's ball. But who did Carol Lawson blame it on? The men's game. This would never happen in the men's game. Of course it wouldn't happen in the men's game because the men would say, time out, we're playing with a women's ball. Hold it. There's a game, true story. Tariko and I are doing a game. Brandon Paul for Illinois had like 46. Halfway through the first half, I'm like, fellas, this ball is overinflated. Boom, 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 boom. Halftime comes, I go over. And I see the ball, and I go, oh, this ball is overinflated. The referee's like, yeah, it is, isn't it? Yeah. I, honest to God, Trico was laughing at me. Bart Fox was laughing at me. But I'm like, look, I've, I've been doing this a million years. I can't imagine this woman not knowing, or those women not knowing, that the ball was inflated. It's the damnedest thing. Now, she wants to do what everybody wants to Well, this wouldn't happen in the men's game. Why not? You know, I don't know why not. Because the men might actually pay attention. They might actually say, hey, wait a second. This ball is small. Can we get a regular size ball? But Carol Lawson is like, you know, she's not smart enough to know that they're playing with the wrong ball. Ucha capesta, my eyes are burning. Swear to God. And we sit there and we go, all right, all right. That's what we're going to do. It's the men's fault. It's always the men. When in doubt of your own stupidity, say this isn't what would happen in the men's game, and they give you the sign of the cross, and they say, but Carol Lawson is protected because, well, she's been in the media, and of course, you know. Anyway, but what a freaking fool. By the way, today is 2-3-23. ESPN is dubbing it Michael Jordan Day. Uh, I got to tell you. Michael Jordan still owes me six grand from a golf match back in 1984 that he didn't pay. Now, I don't know about you guys. How's our, how's our Twitter thing? Is it out? Let's go. He didn't pay. 
I don't know what the interest was on it, but years ago, the interest on that bad boy was about 96000 He actually bought me dinner one night in his restaurant after a playoff game in the old Chicago Stadium against the Knicks. I went up to Michael Jordan's private room in the back, and we had a nice time. Richard Dent was there, his Nike guy, my brother, myself. We went in, and then he asked, hey, does this take care of our debt? And I said, no, you owe me six grand. The crab cakes were nice, but it wasn't, wasn't six grand nice. What the hell are you doing, MJ? Pay the fiddler, baby. Bring it on. I want to do some eating. Speaking of doing some eating, this weekend, a lot of basketball, a lot of basketball, and the lead game, and I'm so glad it's back. Ladies and gentlemen, I've been talking about it all week. Ladies and gentlemen, I am wearing my red Indiana sweater or pullover. You know, when you're an old white guy, Tommy Bahama is like your store. My wife will take me to Tommy Bahama. This is actually an Indiana sweatshirt that is Tommy Bahama wear. Like, Anthony Munoz is going to join us next week. If you don't know who Anthony Munoz is, a lot of people think he's the greatest tackle in the history of football. He had a line of clothes at Kmart or Target, I can't remember which, Munoz wear. I used to wear it. It was good stuff. So I'll buy anything from anywhere, but I'm wearing my Indiana today because, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, here we go. This weekend, it is Indiana-Purdue. Now, 99% of the time over the last 20 years, the game hasn't mattered nationally. Now it does. Why? Purdue is numero uno in the country. It's a heated rivalry. It's throwing your jacket. It's going over and arguing. It's coins being thrown. I told you the story. 75 cents I picked up off the floor when I got my fourth foul in Mackey Arena. That's the beautiful rivalry. That's a rivalry we all must have, ladies and gentlemen. And I can't wait to talk to one of the legends of that rivalry, the great Dane Fife, coming up here in, oh, I don't know, about six minutes. I don't know if you guys saw this, and I didn't really want to put the video up, but son of a biscuit maker, did you see that Omar lady got kicked out of the Intelligence Committee by the Republican-based House of Representatives? Did you see the crying? Let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. Don't these people work for us? Her little squad members. I don't know if you saw AOC going like this. I don't know if she was trying to shake the money makers, or I don't know if she was trying to be like in a Baptist church, a Catholic church. I don't know what she was doing, but it was beautiful to watch. And then I guess it's Omar's sister, cousin. I don't know. She starts crying. When did we decide that this House of Representatives, these committees, the Senate is about those people. Didn't we hire them? And if you're going to be anti-Semitic, you shouldn't be on a committee. If you're going to be against the United States, as Omar clearly has been, you cannot be on these committees. It's just that easy. It ain't hard. But the one lady, she's up there, hey, okay, great. And the other lady's crying, good, 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 good. Like my friend said when his wife used to get mad at him. You're mad at me? Good. Go be mad over there. I don't want to see it. But, hey, be mad. Lily and Omar and the squad lost their mind. Why? Not because anything happened to the American people. Oh, God, no. But because they, she, lost a little bit of power. I didn't come to Congress to be silent. Good. Go yell over there. Go. And I know this is some kind of phobic. I know. But you know what this is? It's patriotic. Get people that are trying to destroy America. You just go over there. 
And let, let's get some serious people. We don't need theatrics by AOC doing all this, studying in the mirror, practicing her little speech. We don't need crime. We don't need this. We need serious people because we've got serious problems in this country, period. We've got serious problems. Hell, um, (laughs) we got a president that if somebody didn't turn him, he would walk into walls. I don't know if you ever saw the end of Animal House when the guy leads the band into the alley and the alley's just standing there going up against the wall. That's what, what our president would be if somebody didn't turn him. Oh, Son of a biscuit maker. All right. Eighth different black quarterback to start the Super Bowl. That's the, that's the thing I just saw on ESPN. There you go. I am the fourth bald white guy to be on OutKick. No, I'm sorry. I'm not. I am the second bald white guy to be on OutKick behind the great Paul Kuharski. Numero two. The second. That's right. So there you go. How about that? See, most of us, actually all of us, except for dudes trying to say something and get something out of it, have moved way beyond, well, he's the seventh African-American to be a quarterback. Now we have number eight African-American. Look, man, people are people. They just are. People are people. And speaking of people, Dylan Brooks, uh, he plays for the Grizz. He got to quit hitting people in the package. I've always said this about basketball. You ready? I've always said this. The easiest thing to do in basketball is to hurt your opponent. What do you mean by that? I got the ball. You're guarding me. I can swing my elbows, hit you right in the face. You got the ball. I'm guarding you. I can hit you anytime I want, any place you want. Why? Because you got a ball. You're occupied. I can punch you in the face. I can hit you in the stones. I can do whatever I want to do. Punch you in the stomach, double you over, whatever you want. That's right. So now this guy, Dylan Brooks, decides he's going to hit Donovan Mitchell in the packy. Don't hit people in the packy. Don't do it. It's not good business for anybody. It's not good business for you because you're known as what? You're known as guy that hits other guys in the packy. So Donovan Mitchell got his third career ejection. He got the boot. He's fighting with Brooks, and away we go. All right, speaking of race-baiting hateful people, did I say Jamel Hill? I think I said Jamel Hill. Jamel Hill is doing what most people do that need to be relevant by getting into race. Jamel Hill is saying, here's what happened. Five idiot cops that were hired because of lower standard acted like complete thugs and killed an African-American young man in Memphis. Horrible deal. If you've listened to the audio, it's a, watch the video, it's horrible. But so then you sit back, people like Jamel Hill, and you go, how can I spin this where I become relevant, where somebody like Dan Dockage talks about me on his OutKick show? So here's what she has to say. She says, police were never by design supposed to protect black people. If that young man was white, Do you think they would have beat him like that? My answer is yes. You ask me a question, I give you an answer. I think the five guys that did that were complete thugs. I think they were out of their mind. I think they would have beaten me, my brother, my aunt, my aunt, whatever, at that particular time. Yes, I do. Uh, It wouldn't have happened. Not at all. It wasn't the race of the officers. This is where you got to sit back and figure it out. 
you got to sit back and go, all right, how can I spin this to my own importance? You got to sit back. Hang on. It wasn't the race of the officers that mattered. Ready to go, right? It was the race of the victim that mattered. Is Dane here? I'm, I'm, I'm not seeing Dane on my deal. Um, it said good to go. Is Dane, I, I, whatever's going on here, uh, I don't see Dane. Can you hear Dane? There's Dane. Hey, Dane, how are you? Can, can you see and hear me now? There, there, hey. Boy, is it nice. That guy's pretty Boy, handsome. Boy, is it nice to see and hear you. Yeah, yeah. All right, Indiana, Purdue. You've watched both of these teams. What do you think? Purdue, best team in the country? If so, why? What, what does Indiana have to do here? Well, Purdue is the best team in the country right now. And why? Well, Zach Eady, Mac Painter, that combo is lethal. I think the second part is I think Purdue, uh, they can go a couple different ways defensively. Um, I really like Ethan Morton, the way he defends. Um, and I think, I think Smith – really causes problems up front. But uh, the big matchup now, I guess we're going to dive into the IU-Purdue matchup. Um, I'm going to take over the show here. The big matchup will be <laughs> – the big matchup will be I – think, I think Edie and Trace Jackson Davis, they'll, they'll essentially – they'll do what they do. Uh, whatever that is, they'll do what they do. The big matchup will be Hood Shafino and Ethan Morton. You think Ethan Morton will match up with Huchifino? I certainly do. Morton's the best defensive player I think that Purdue has. Drew Shafino's the best offensive player that Indiana has outside of Jackson Davis. It makes sense. I think, you know what, I do think that matchup is the most important, and I do think that both teams are going to have to figure out how to play the post. If you were – Indiana, and if you were Purdue, how would you play Edie? How would you play Jackson Davis? Well, you know how Purdue's going to play. They're going to double. They've doubled since, shoot, probably 1942, uh, you know, when we were still fighting the Germans. Uh, they have doubled. And, I, you know, I saw them double um, – a couple guards the other day that probably didn't merit doubling. So when that ball gets anywhere near the blocks, coach, Purdue's going to double. The question is, is, and this isn't just for Indiana, this is for the whole country. How are you going to decide to guard Zach Eady? One, because if he gets too deep, he's unguardable. And two, if he's off the post, he's going to take a dribble. And when he takes a dribble, his eyes are up. He's looking for somebody that's going to dig, swipe, try to steal the ball. And he's going to kick it right to a shooter. I mean, Purdue is clicking on all cylinders offensively. I, I suppose their weakness is defensively. But when you have somebody like Zach Eady manning the post, it's hard to <laughs> it's hard for anybody to score. You know, um, I'm going to throw you a different one here. Is Duke, North Carolina as interesting without Coach K? No. Absolutely. I mean, it's a tough one. I, I think, you know, and, and I, you know, I worked for Tom Izzo for 10 years, played for Coach Knight, should have played for you a little bit, and then you left me. Um, I did. 
I think you have to have some type of polarizing figure in that in that fray. Now I know that Coach Capel, uh, but he's not necessarily with uh, you know Jason. Jason's a friend of mine. I, he's the class of '98, just like me. But um, he's not currently with either team. I, I just think you have to have something that that grabs the the viewer, and there just isn't that polarizing figure right, right now. You know, I agree. I, I, I'm watching Duke, and I'm thinking, okay, they're interesting, whatever. It's fine, but uh, it, it isn't the same. Is Matt Painter the best basketball coach in the country? I'm, I'm, I'm seeing people say that, and look, maybe it's the Indiana in me. I like Matt. I've known Matt a, a number of years, but you can't get beat by St. Peter's and North Texas State in the tournament because that's all we pay attention to. Well, that's probably true, but, you know, 2016, the the number two Michigan State Spartans got upset by the biggest, you know, it was one of the biggest upsets in tournament history. And I was, yeah, my, yeah. My, my coaching expertise brought that to you, brought that to the viewer. Yeah. But I will say this um, his time, Matt Painter's time is coming because I think he's been doing it long enough and he's confident enough that he understands exactly who he wants as a player. I think. That's easy to say, but you look at his personnel, um, and then I think you go even in more depth. You look at the the families that that Purdue has surrounding their players. Um, that that's a that's a model that I think everybody should take a strong look at. Now they're going to end up having to take some transfers at some point. They're going to end up having kids leave at some point, but. Because it's so hard to maintain that culture aspect, and I'm not afraid to say the word culture. A lot of Seth, Seth Green, but Coach Greenberg is afraid to say the word culture. I'm not afraid to say it because culture is is such a good word describing what we're we're, we're striving for as coaches in the college game. But I think Purdue's culture right now is it it, it almost supersedes you know Matt Painter, the coach, because it's that good. I agree with that. I, I, I do. And one of the things, let me, in the world of college basketball, so Braden Smith is a really good freshman at Purdue. Is Purdue an untouchable school? Here's what I mean by that. There are other schools that actively recruit with NIL money good young players to come to their program. Would, would coaches be reaching out to Smith's family saying, look, I know you're at Purdue, but you come here, we'll give you a million bucks. You, come, you know, is that happening in college basketball? I, I 100% believe it's happening in college basketball. Now, is it happening wow. uh, at, the, at the expense of Purdue players? Um, I don't, I, I think that goes in step with kind of what, what we were, what I was just discussing with you is, there's certainly probably people looking to, to pluck away a Purdue player, but I think what you have there is you've got a you've got a culture of of guys that really want to be at Purdue and enjoy being at Purdue and appreciate being at Purdue. But as important, you've got the circle. We talk about the circle, the circle of the player, the student athlete, circle of the student athlete, that is essentially saying, no. 
you're probably not you're you're not leaving Purdue. You made a commitment. Hey, hey, that word commitment. We love that word commitment. You made a commitment to this program. You're going to stay in this program. I don't care what happens. I heard you on your show yesterday. That was really good. I don't care what happens, young young fella. You're staying. You made your bed. You got to sleep in it. You got to figure it out. You got to make those pillows fluffy. You got to maybe slide one under your back. But you made your bed. Now you got to make the most of it. See, that's why I prefaced it by saying, is Purdue beyond that? Here's how I look at this. And this isn't necessarily right because Jackson Davis and Galloway, you know, are, are Indiana kids, that kind of thing. So yeah. it's not like Indiana doesn't have anybody, you know. Um, right. But the truth of the matter is this almost seems like Purdue is back when Gene Cady was taking not lesser guys from Indiana, lesser known mm-hmm. guys maybe, across the nation, like a Braden Smith, uh, a Mason Gillis. I mean, hell, people in Indiana knew Mason Gillis, knew, knew Braden Smith, right? Knew Fletcher Lawyer. You knew the Lawyer yeah. family really well. But it seems oh, yeah. like Purdue is more of an Indiana-based team. Purdue loves the region, man. You're the one that got away. Uh, you know, they got Newman. Were you the one that got away? I think I'm the only guy from the region ever to play at Indiana. Uh, Rich Valavicious in 1976, my idol, but he transferred to Auburn. He and Coach Knight got in a fist fight. But that's another story. Yeah, uh, yeah it is. But no, Indiana's I, guys, yeah. nobody from the region is in this game. So stop with the region yeah. nonsense. This is, you know, yeah, we got guys fair. Westfield, Indiana, Newcastle, I know. Hey. Westfield. Where's, it, where's Lawyer from? Fort Wayne? Clarkston, Michigan, pal. Stop with the Fort Wayne stuff, and I love Fort Wayne, but he's from Clarkston, Michigan. He moved to Fort Wayne. All right, okay. it's listed on. So his... you get my point. You I get do. My point. I do. And, in, and, and were, in all you seriousness, were there with Indiana. Yeah, yeah. In, in all seriousness, I think it really comes down to um, you're gonna you're gonna make fun of me for it, but I think one of the best the best model that that I've come accustomed to is coach Izzo talks about it the four-hour radius because when crap hits the fan you gotta have your family there to insulate you and help you but also when crap hits the fan that coach needs to be able to have your family and your people at arm's length because that's where you get stuff done when you're able to confront when you're able to go at the head of a student athlete that's really screwing up and you can bring in their family members. You can bring in sometimes small, sometimes massive circles. Um, that's really important. And I think by default, uh, whether it's by default or by by on purpose, that's what Purdue has done. And they've always really kind of done that. And to me, it's, it's common sense. To you, it's common sense. Um, but I think to the, to the naked eye that the, the recruiting boards um, – a lot of people, you know, the fan is saying, who is this guy? Who is who is a Fletcher lawyer? Who is a Braden Smith? Uh, who is an Ethan Morton? And Ethan's from Pennsylvania. But um, I think by and large, and I'll quit talking here, but by and large, Purdue has been very successful doing that for a long, long time. And I guess the difference between now and maybe at the end of Gene Cady's career, Purdue is getting the top players out of the state, A, and B, they're getting a certain player to surround those players around the state, be it, um, you know, Swanigan. They had, um, you know, um, Travion Williams. He was from Michigan. But they're they're getting those players, and they're just fitting those pieces in 
perfectly. I agree. Don't ever, don't ever worry about talking too much. I bring guests on because I want to hear their opinions. I get to talk all freaking day. To your point now, we've, we've talked about the game. Indiana was playing, I thought, really well, and then they didn't so much, couldn't make nothing against yeah. Maryland. This yeah. game, if it's the, I call it the Mike Tirico test. Whenever I worked with Tirico, he would, he said, not look at the line, and I would say, all right, what would you make the line of the game? And he was always pretty oh. close. What would you make the line of this game at IU Saturday, 4 o'clock? Purdue minus point one. So you got to pick them game. The Zach Eady effect. I look. I he's he just he doesn't foul either. That's what's amazing about it. He can go thirty five minutes. He doesn't foul. And I think as I think you you know we both can agree. Purdue can throw guys at Hood Shafino that can cause him problems. That's not going to say they're going to shut him down. But you throw in an Ethan Morton at him. You can you, you can throw in Newman at him off the bench. You know, I, I just Braden Smith, he's got some stuff to him now. He's got some he's got some region to him, although he's not region. He's got some region to him. Yeah. I mean, he'll fight you. Yep. He'll fight you at the bar, he'll fight you on the court, he'll fight you at your own he'll fight you in your basement. <laughs> Does Indiana have guys that'll fight you? You know, here's the thing. Trace Jackson Davis, I know he looks like a really, really nice kid, and he is, but he's tough. He's a tough kid. He's a nice kid, but he's a tough kid. And, you know, I'll be interested to see how Trace's career unfolds um, whenever he decides to leave. It could be two years. It could be 10 years when he decides to but whenever he decides to leave, I, I think, you know, you can be at a place too long or you can be at a place where there's distractions. But when he decides to enter the real world, he's going to be a dude, man. I mean, I know I'm trying to talk cool here, but he's going to bend up a player. I can promise you that. And he's a really good player. He's one of the best in the country. But I think he's still underrated as it relates to the adult world. And you talk about people being adults all the time. When he gets up to the next level, something's going to click that he needs that's really going to help him. I agree. I, like, I think the guy, you can say whatever you want. He doesn't do this. He doesn't do that. I don't care. I think he's going to be on an NBA roster, and I think he's going to be an NBA, uh, an NBA player. I, I do. So – you, Assembly Hall is going to be nuts. You played in it. I played in it when it was insane. Um, this game, more you know, attention than we've seen in a long, long time to Indiana and, and of course, to Purdue. Um, when you think back to your experience playing Purdue, what, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? <laughs> The, the time I told the time I blamed Coach Knight for losing the game. <laughs> Talk to tell me, I gotta hear it. I was a freshman and we we'd won at Purdue and then we came back and lost um, at home. And it could it might be my sophomore year, but I'm almost positive it was my freshman year. And so we lost, 
because we gave up a three-point shot at the end of Jerron Cornell off a of stagger. I played well the whole game by my standards, which were pretty low at that point, but scored a couple buckets, defended well, and I was out at the end of the game, and I remember Coach Knight talking with the assistant coaches as during a timeout, should we put Fife back in? And I think ultimately I read the situation as Coach Knight not being willing to put me back in. Well, that made me mad, especially at the end of the game, because Purdue essentially, let's just say there was 15 seconds left. Purdue's got the last possession, and they got a shot to win it. Well, there was a timeout, and I thought, we're not going to win. We're not going to win. I need to be in there on defense. Well, the guy that I would have been guarding, Cornell, sprung off, banged a three in. So Coach Knight decides he wants to see us at 530 the next morning. He comes out with – did he ever have the herbal wrap around his neck when you were there? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so he has the herbal yeah. wrap on, but, yeah. but he's topless. He's topless. I know he had a cold, and I'm not sure what that what that was doing, but it's 5.30 in the morning. He has us all playing one-on-one against one another. And I'm playing against yeah. Luke Jimenez. Luke beats me, so I'm, I'm really, really, really mad by this point. And I'd already been – kind of demonstrate and doing certain things to protest. So long story long here, um, we started playing five on five and I wouldn't come out. Somebody tried to sub me on. I'm not coming out. No, not coming out. So Coach Knight says, fight, get over here. Get over here. It's just me and him standing on the sidelines, the team's playing. And what the hell's your problem? I said, you, you're the problem. What, what? And I kind of, he was taken aback. And I said, he goes, well, what, what do you mean? And I said, you blew the game last night. <laughs> he, goes, he looks around, tries to find some some eyes to, well, what's this guy talking about? He, he says, I blew the game. I said, you did. You should have had me in there. And you had a couple other guys. I named the two other guys. And I said, they lost the game. They lost the game. And it's your fault. And he, and I, he was speechless. He was speechless. He just kind of, he went, and just kind of walked away, you know, his his strut. But there was a – I was a freshman, and I'm sitting there standing, looking him in the eye, telling him he blew the game. And <laughs> I don't remember what happened after that, but I do remember writing him a long letter, just telling him why I came there and how important he was to me. And I said it right next to that you Ted did that, Williams. You did that after? You did that after, after yeah, the yeah. game? At- like not after your playing career, but you did it after like the practice. A day yeah. at oh, you did. All right. Yeah, and you know All what? Right. Surprisingly, I didn't get thrown out. Um, I gotta tell you, ballsy right there. Ballsy. <laughs> uh, a little beyond <laughs> just just crazy, arrogant, arrogant. Well. You know what, though? Sometimes as a coach, and you know this, sometimes as a coach, it isn't terrible to hear that. It isn't awful to hear, hey, look, coach, I think think what I think. Now, I don't think any coach ever wants to hear, particularly from a freshman, that they lost (laughs) the game. Uh, You know, one that's won three national championships at that point and been the Olympic coach and the, you know, Panama. But I, but, but. Uh, he probably walked away from there knowing that he did lose the game. I'll give Coach Knight yeah. credit for this, Dane. He always blamed himself. Sa- Samson never blamed himself. I love Samson. Yeah. Oh, Samson would be like, ah, 
they miss shots, we put him in position. Knight was always beating himself up. So you probably confirmed what he had already thought. Let's put it that way. So he's sitting in that back office and he's just beating the heck out of himself. He's, he's not, he's mad at you guys, but he's a lot of ways. Okay. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just saying, uh, you know, Hey, only on outkick. (laughs) Only on outkick. Don't put me on woke dopes. If you put me on woke dopes, we're going to have at it. <laughs> no. <laughs> Who wins? Who wins the game? What score? You know, I, I, uh, I'm going to go uh, 71 to 70. That's all I'm going to say. It's, it's 71 to 70. <laughs> Who wins? No comment. Who I'm not going. So- you're, you're not making me go there. Here's, no. Here's I'm a whip. I, I'll call you offline and tell you who wins. Who wins by a hundred? I know we're gonna have we're gonna have better conversations than this off the air between now uh, and tomorrow. Are you going to the game? Uh, you know what? I have been soliciting hard for a ticket in the '70s. Two tickets in the 1976 suite behind the back behind the basket, the big suite up top. I just can't get anybody that wants to sit with me. Nobody, no, well, <laughs> nobody wants to sit with me, and nobody will give me a ticket. It's it's a great place to sit. You know, you kind of can sit. I, I don't want to be a distraction. Yeah. Not, not that, but the two people on the in the program that might think I'm a distraction. I don't want to be a distraction. And um, and it's free food. And the pumpkin pie up there is oh, coach. Someday I'll, I'll bring you as a guest if I can ever get a, get a second ticket, if I can ever get a ticket. <laughs> uh, I went last week, and when you sit – I sat behind Ohio State's bench. Uh, Chris Holtman had me as a guest, and I got to tell you, I, it's uncomfortable. I got to go. Thanks, my friend. Appreciate you. We're Great done? Stuff. Oh. Boom. You're done. You're done. Get off You're my done. air. Get off my air. Done with fun. You're on open. Off. Yeah. Off he goes. His woke ass is out of here. He's gone, ladies and gentlemen. I got a lot to talk to all you people about for the rest of this day, and it's going to come fast, and it's going to come furious. Uh, A lot of headlines, a lot of stuff. We'll be right back. Trey Wallace recapping Senior Bowl. Man, I'm fired up. Sack the hell up and don't go anywhere. Don't at me. We'll be right back after this. Yeah, uh, so Carol Lawson, now that's becoming news, Carol Lawson, the very foolish coach of the Duke women's team, is giving it passion, please, because her team was dumb enough and Florida State was dumb enough, the coach of both, Lawson of Duke, Florida State's coach, dumb enough to not stop the game and get rid of the men's ball they were playing with and play with a woman's ball. But guess who Carol Lawson is blaming this on? The men. This wouldn't happen in a men's game. No, because men would be smart enough to go, yo, this isn't a men's ball. The level of woke stupidity, even when it's your own damn fault by Carol Lawson and women in sports sometimes gives me a freaking headache. I'm going to ask Lee. Hey, Lee, uh, when you were playing and coaching at Syracuse and they played with a mush ball, 
Would you have noticed and said, hey, look, this isn't the right ball? Oh, my God. And now, of course, Sports Center. What's this little guy on Sports Center's name? I don't know. But these little guys on Sports Center, the, uh, they're, well, you know, here's Carol Lawson. Oh, it's her, it's her fault. You're a freaking coach, you clown. What are you doing? Don't you know? Jeez, people give me a headache. I tell you what, uh, the level of stupid that we have now, Carol Lawson's man, it drives me nuts because the men's game gets blamed for it. This would never happen in the men's game. It's embarrassing for our, you're right, because men aren't idiots, because men would know, period. It is freaking hilarious that nobody, and you want us to take you seriously. You don't even know what basketball you're playing with. And I'm the world's biggest advocate for women's sports. I'll tell you who I advocate for. I advocate for Brock Bowers. Brock Bowers is the stud tight end uh, at Georgia, and he gets all kinds of money for playing at Georgia, which he should. He's a stud. He's a first-team all-world tight end. So Brock Bowers is saying, nay, 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 nay. He's only going to take his marketing money. He is going to not take his collective money, which puts more in the pot for his teammates. Well done, Brock Bowers. There, I got to tell you, there are some really good stories coming out of the NIL. Guys like, oh, that kid Anthony Leal at Indiana paying off his sister's financial aid. Now, you got to understand the fact that Anthony Leal is making anything as a player at Indiana is fascinating enough. He is one of five white guys that are assigned to when there is a timeout, run out to half court, look like dorks, and slap hands with all the actual players. Leal is a former Mr. Basketball. It's beneath him to do that, but he does it, so good for him. There are all kinds of stories. Brock Bauer's story of not taking his collective money, only, only taking his marketing money, is a fantastic one. Good for Brock Bowers. I'm all in on it. Uh, Speaking of college football, Tommy Reese was a quarterback at Notre Dame. Tommy Reese was a quarterback that went really quickly into being the offensive coordinator at Notre Dame. And I got to tell you, Tommy Reese has done a good job. And Tommy Reese has caught the eye of the master. That's right, Nick Saban. Now, they're going to offer, apparently, allegedly, Tommy Reese some money and an offensive coordinator's position at Alabama. Here's the dilemma for Reese. I'm going to give it to you. If you go become an offensive coordinator at Alabama, you're going to be under a massive spotlight. Can you handle that? You're going to be under a spotlight inside your own building by a head coach that isn't going to uh, be, you know, Marcus Freeman, where everybody jumps up and down. Yay, we got our coach. No, uh uh-uh. No, no. You're in a serious place. You're at a serious place with a serious guy. Can you handle it? You're going to be a head coach, not a head coach at Bowling Green. You're going to be a head coach at Georgia or Florida or one of the places that head coaches from Alabama go to, Maryland. I'm talking about a Power 5 big-time program. If you go to Alabama and do well, here's the problem. There's no Bryce Young. I'm sure they have a backup that's really good. I'm sure they have wide receivers that's really good. They just signed the number one recruiting class in the country. But 
the level is not like Notre Dame this year where everyone goes, well, Marcus Freeman's in his first year. And my gosh, I know they lost to uh, Bethune-Cookman, but they're still in their first year. Look how well he's doing. No, no, no. This is you got to win every game and you got to score 40 doing it. And you got to do it against the best coaches in the country. To me, it's a no-brainer. I'm Tommy Reese. I'm going. I'm going to Alabama. I want to test myself and what I do against the best. I understand being beholden to a university. I stayed at Indiana way too long because Bob Knight promised me the head coaching job at Indiana if I stayed. He lied. I eventually knew it. I got the hell out of there. I don't think those kind of things have been said to Tommy Reese because they just started with Marcus Freeman, a guy that's just a little bit older than Reese. So if I'm Tommy Reese, I'm skedaddling. Adios. I am headed south. I want to test myself in the best conference against the best players and away we go. That's right. That's what I am doing. You may not do that, but I am doing. All right. Hasta la vista. Jimmy G, is that what we're saying? Jimmy G, he gone. Gone, 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 gone. Gone like a freight train. Gone like yesterday. He's gone. Uh, Kyle Shanahan says, hey, look, he doesn't see any scenario, none where Jimmy G returns to the team. Let's hear from Shanahan about this. There's an area in which you guys can see Jimmy being back, and if so, what what would that look like? No, I don't see any scenario of that. Yeah, no, I gotcha. (laughs) There you go. There you go. No more Jimmy G. All right. Look, you think about it. He's an unrestricted free agent. Um, he's a guy that now is coming off another injury. He's a guy that has been replaced not only by one guy, by two guys, Trey Lance and then, of course, Brock Purdy. So what would be the scenario? It's kind of a stupid question. If you think about it, the dude is an unrestricted free agent. They treated him like crap. He came in. He saved your season. Then he got hurt. Then he got replaced again. Now you're going to have Trey Lance coming back and the other guy, Brock Purdy, coming back. Jimmy G doesn't want to be there. Why would he? Come to Indianapolis, Jimmy G. Come to Indianapolis. Play for Jeff Saturday. And let's see what we can get done with America's worst general manager. Speaking of America's worst general manager, did you know this? Did you know that the Colts fired their coach with eight weeks to go in the season? Did you know that it's the only full-time NFL head coaching job that nobody wants? Did you know this? Now, if they got Jimmy G, let's just say for the sake of argument, would that make them more attractive? Would that make the Colts more attractive? I don't know the answer to that. I know this, the combination of Sam Ellinger, Nick Foles, and Matt Ryan certainly doesn't make it attractive, along with a roster that is mediocre at best, overpaying 20-some million to a, quote, generational guard. But if I am a Colts fan, and ladies and gentlemen, I am, then I got to tell you, Jimmy G's my guy. I'm all in on Jimmy G. Give me more Jimmy G here in Indianapolis. And I wonder how many other towns are saying that. Let me ask you this. In Atlanta, would you want Jimmy G or would you want Marcus Mariota? I'm using Atlanta because, frankly, Atlanta took Marcus Mariota and it really didn't work out. So would you rather have Jimmy G? Again, unrestricted 
free agent. I don't put him in a Bears uniform. How could you? You got Justin Fields. There's no way and a number one pick. There's no chance. Would you want him, ladies and gentlemen, with D'Amico Ryans? By the way, they work together. D'Amico, defensive coordinator of the 49ers. Jimmy G, you see right there, quarterback of the 49ers. Uh, Wilson Davis or Davis Mills or Miles Davis or whoever the hell's a quarterback uh, down in Texas. You can't play enough. You're not good enough. Jimmy G with a defensive-minded coach, where have we seen that before? Oh, right there. Don't be surprised, ladies and gentlemen. That seems way, way, way too obvious. But don't be surprised if and when that happens. I'd take Jimmy G. Hey, I said this before, a year ago, AFC Championship game. The kid, middle of the field, Joe Burrow, not Joe Burrow, the other guy, Stafford, throws it down the middle. Jimmy G's up 10. Whatever the guy's first name, his last name is Dart, safety, drops it. Up 10, ball on the the defensive side of the field. You're going to win and you're going to go to the Super Bowl twice. Dart drops it. You know what happened from there. Come back, come. Stafford's in all the commercials. Next thing you know, Jimmy G's not the court. One play changed the course of an entire, well, probably six or seven people's careers, including Matt Stafford. That kid just dropping that. Ah, it's insanity. All right, Stephen Jones says, I, I, let, me, let me start with this. How many people are watching here right now? How many people are watching? I understand that we all love, we do, we love the Cowboys. We love the Cowboys. We got to have the Cowboys. We can't get enough of the Cowboys. All right? We got to have the Cowboys. The Cowboys this, the Cowboys that, the Cowboys everything. We got to have the Cowboys. So Stephen Jones, son of Jerry, who's eventually going to be the HMFIC, I'll let you figure out what that is. He says this. He could see Dak Prescott being with the franchise for the next 10 years. The team is open to extending his deal in order to lower the current cap hit. Now you remember. He, Dak Prescott, got one of those mega, 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 mega deals. So if they lower that but extend it, he's still going to get his money. It's more cap friendly. They can bring in more players. But the question becomes this. How many players do you need in Dallas? Like, I would argue when I watch the Dallas Cowboys and you're talking about guys like Micah Parsons, you're talking about the Martin kid at tackle, or you're talking about Gallup and others at wide receiver, the two running backs, although one of them got hurt. I mean, I'm talking about talent. So is it really a talent problem or is it a time problem? Let me explain. Sometimes guys need to keep knocking on the door. Then eventually you break through and you win a title. Maybe Dak Prescott is one of those guys. Sure, you could start over with an unproven quantity, but why? Unless you absolutely know Dak Prescott is not your guy, I got to tell you, I'm sticking with Dak Prescott, and I think Stephen Jones is smart. Take a little less money, but move it over, or take the same amount of money, but move it over the course of the year, give yourself a little flexibility with the cap, and away you go. That's it. It's beautiful. It's smart. It's smart. Man, uh, I do got to read something back to the Indianapolis Colts. Listen to this. This is how in pocket our little media is. Are you ready? Uh, In Indianapolis, here's your local minute here. See, everybody is saying things like this. Listen to this. This is from a guy, Nate Atkins, who, you know, he's just a little guy. 
He came to the Indy Star. He, 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 he's just a guy, right? He doesn't know anything, but he's cheap, cheap labor. At this point, the writer, the insider for the Indy Star says, I would not be surprised if the Colts search last past the Super Bowl. If their search last past the Super Bowl. Let me ask. Chris Ballard said it could spread into mid-February, and he has operated, listen to this, from the start like he's willing to let it go there. Do you honestly think, do you honestly think the Colts are in control here? Do you honestly think, when you look at what other teams have done, this is the local minute, do you honestly think the Colts are in control of this search? Let's be honest. Sean Payton said no. Maybe the Colts said no. Let's give them the benefit of the doubt, all right? The Colts said no to Sean Payton. That's what indie fans want you to think. Indie fans want you to think, well, you know, it was going to cost too much, and Ballard can really draft. Really? Who's he draft? How good was Darius Leonard? How much have any of these draft choices been involved in winning? I'm giving you the local minute here, so give me a, give me a break. Anyway, long story short. So now, do you really think, as little Nate Adkins, who's blocked me on Twitter, and he should, I don't blame him, do you really think that little little Nate Adkins or anybody that has any sense of this search believes the Colts are in charge, that Miko Rines wouldn't, wouldn't talk to them? It's the Colts, horseshoe guy, easiest division in football. Like, I don't know about you guys, but I gotta tell you, Does anybody, and I mean anybody, have any sense whatsoever? If you want to coach in the best jobs are ones you can win at. Let me ask you a question. You're a guy. My my YouTube chat is absolutely pumping today. All right? We got 400 people on it. We're rocking. We're rolling. We're shaking. We're baking. But let me ask all of you. What defines a good job? What defines a good job? I'm going to give you the answer. A good job is one you can win at, one where you are here, not here swimming upstream. I was desperate to take a job, so I was getting out of Indiana. I took the Bowling Green job. We had the lowest budget, 18 sports, that whole deal. The Colts job is not a bad job. The Colts job is in the easiest division. You play bad teams. Does Jacksonville scare you? I mean, does Jacksonville scare you, Colts fans? Of course it doesn't. Hell no, it doesn't. Biggest, biggest problem is, as A. Money Wilson says, there's no quarterback. But every coach, swear to God, you just saw it with Sean Payton, every coach thinks they can fix the quarterback problem. As long as you got somebody that's proven, and the Colts have two guys, whether it's Foles or whether it's Matt Ryan, they got two guys that are at least proven over time, sometimes proven good, sometimes proven bad. I'm just telling you, Sean Black, El Presidente, thinks it's a good job where you can win. Yes, because the schedule is set. I'll tell you something else. Indiana, you get a contract, you got an owner that cares. You got a GM that's no good. There's a lot of things good. There's a lot of things bad with this job. But do you really think, do you really think like Nate Adkins and all these other nacho-loving little pains that don't know a thing about football, do you really think? That this is Chris Ballard driving this bus? Of course it isn't. D'Amico Ryans wouldn't talk to the Colts. Sean Payton wouldn't talk to the Colts. They're not running nothing. They ain't running squat. 
They're hanging on for dear life while they discuss internally, internally, whether or not they're all going to just give in and hire Jeff Saturday. And by the way, Jeff Saturday, his little media background, little media guys are working hard. Grandpa Polian, old Mort, these guys are out there grinding for Jeff Saturday. Good for Saturday. God bless you. God bless you, Jeff Saturday. Keep doing it. Keep doing it. All Bible in one hand, backstabbing knife in another hand. We'll be right back. That's it. I got to take a break. We'll be right back with more on Don't At Me across the Outkick Network. The Pro Bowl was, is, I guess, this weekend, and they're going to play flag football, I guess, and dodgeball. And, you know, if you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball. But the Senior Bowl was this past week, and that, ladies and gentlemen, might be as important a scouting opportunity for the NFL as anything other than, obviously, tape and careers. Our guy, Trey Wallace, was down there. And I want to talk quarterbacks. One guy that I watched and I kind of was digging during the year, I don't know if he's great or not, but I saw him play really well a couple times, was Malik Cunningham here in Louisville. Who were some of the guys, and walk me through Cunningham, but who were some of the guys you thought showed out a little bit? Yeah, I'm, what's up, Dan? Hope you're well, brother. Um, I, I looked at you know Malik Cunningham. I, I watched him all season long, you know, and he didn't get an invite until Stetson Bennett, that whole ordeal was settled. So when he got an invitation down there, it gave just a perfect opportunity for him to to step up. And, you know, I thought I, I wrote a piece about him came out yesterday. I, I thought he had a really good week. Uh, this was an opportunity for him to to show these scouts and NFL what he could do against some of the best competition. Um, I thought he was good outside the pocket, uh, passing the ball down the field. Uh, some of his receivers didn't help him out, but he looked good, and 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 look, he's not a quarterback that's going to be drafted in the first four rounds, five rounds, but somebody potentially maybe takes a flyer on him late in the draft, and there and there's going to be a number of these like there's not star power, you know, at at the Senior Bowl, there wasn't like star power when it comes to quarterbacks like you've seen in years past, like Jalen Hurts comes to mind immediately for me two years ago. Um, but you you look at the crop of guys that were there, like Max Duggan or from TCU or Jake Hayner from from Fresno State, Malik Cunningham. Like I, I thought that they did a really good job of of setting themselves up for the future. And yeah, I agree. I loved watching Malik Cunningham play. Um, his ability was through the roof this past season, and in the way that he was passing and his yardage and whatnot. So. You know, good for him being able to show out in front of the NFL. It's it's so difficult at the Senior Bowl because there's so many people watching you. Um, it's it's a precarious situation. How good or what did Max Duggan look like? Did he look like a guy that's an NFL guy? Because a lot of people are saying no. Your thoughts? You know, Dan, Max Duggan. The last time we saw Max Duggan, he was getting destroyed by Georgia in that national championship game. And as one person put it to me, this was a fresh start for him, meaning you get those fresh eyes on you. You know, you're about three and a half weeks, four weeks out of getting destroyed by Georgia, uh, where, where you're on your back a lot. Uh, you can't, you know, you don't have time to throw the football around. It was just a bad showcase. So as one, you know, as, as one NFL scout put it to me, th- this gives him and gave him the opportunity, you know, 
to to prove that hey look like I'm the guy that beat Michigan you know I'm the guy during the season that you fell in love with uh was playing fantastic you know l- led them to you know the college football playoff who and by the way he wasn't the starter to open the season and and that's the crazy thing you know he he became the starter he worked for that and 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 then you know I I think with him it's going to be. I had people like referencing Tim Tebow when they talk about him, and I think it's because of his toughness on the field, Dan. Um, and that doesn't surprise me. If he is, he's a Tim Tebow with a hell of a better arm. Um, so I, I, I look at him as a guy that he can he can make a practice squad, maybe get drafted late, um, and and be a quarterback that at least can know the system. And how they want to run things in the NFL, and there could be, you know, they're like there could be packages for him, you know, when, when once he gets into the NFL, if it works out, the teams focus on that around maybe a third down play or a second down package or something that he does towards the end zone, you know, to get things started in his career. But yeah, man, it was it was good to see him actually be able to have time to throw the football this past week in Mobile uh, compared to that Georgia defensive line coming after him. How good are the wide receivers? What's the wide receiver? Because I am just, I am in love. I'm, I'm, I'm all over it. I think wide receivers win and win big. Obviously, quarterback. I get all that. But how? What's the wide receiver crop here? Yeah, I, I really liked Stanford wide receiver Michael Wilson. Uh, I thought that he played fantastic during the week. He's speedy. Um, he can, he can get down the field. In a sense of and, and break pressure, I think that's the biggest thing too. Get away from that man-on-man coverage. I look there's there's a number of guys that didn't participate in the Senior Bowl that I think are going to be stacked down the road. Like not at not at a wide receiver position, but I'm going through some of my notes. Payne Durham, the tight end from from Purdue, I thought he had a great week. You know, and and we're talking about separation here. Because this is the first type of, let's just say, interview before you get to the NFL Combine there in Indianapolis. And and you look at some of these guys that have stood out during the year. Like, you know, you didn't you didn't have your, you know, your your Marvin Harrison's or your Jordan Addison's or your Jalen Hyatt's. You just you had a group of young talented wide receivers that you feel like can take the next step in the NFL if they're good enough. But to me, it's out of Wilson from Stanford. I thought he had a great week, and I think he's somebody that's going to come off the board. And, and a lot of these teams do not want to tip their hands because, you know, they don't want somebody else to put them on the draft board, put them a little higher. So everybody's going to be all nonchalant, Dan. Oh, you know, we, we think he's okay. We, we think he's decent. But then all of a sudden, come draft day, they're they're selecting them in the second round and the third round, and it's like, wait a minute, where'd that come from? So, you know, right. there's a good group there. Yeah, that's exactly right. Like, hey, we don't know, we don't, ah, eh, whatever, we don't. Um, I told you off air, a friend of mine, uh, NFL general manager, said, look, everybody's looking for Debo Samuel. Everybody wants. You know, he's the guy that really popped. He's the guy, speed, you know, Travis Etienne, that kind of thing, although people knew both guys. Was there any type guy, guys that were like those two guys, all purpose, can do everything quick, fast, that kind of thing that stood out to you? Tulane running back Tajay Spears to me. Um, he was a guy that was all over the field. Uh, you can line him up 
at the inside if you want at the slot. You can keep him at running back. I thought he was somebody that stood out to me. And 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 look, I I understand that a lot of these folks are are going after, um, you know, okay, who's going to be that next guy that we can put in at running back, maybe slash slot position, and then have productivity. You know, another one's going to be Jaden Reed from Michigan. I thought that he was really good in one on ones. Um, and 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 I feel like it it's hard when you go into this and you're like, okay, well, this is a prototype that I want to go after that has had success in the NFL. It's hard to narrow that down because you don't know what you're going to get until you see these guys in live game action. You see them in these one-on-one drills that they do against some of the top talent in the country. I would say those two Spears and and Reed kind of stood out to me um, even besides the tight ends, but somebody that can take their game, turn it into like an Alvin Kamara too. You don't have to be, you know, even like Alvin Kamara coming out of the backfield, put him in the slot, get down the field, that type of guy as well. So there's a couple for you right there. I I, I think that you're going to find out more come combine time um, and and then watch the game on Saturday. I I think the game will be interesting. Um, Some players will sit out because they don't want to risk injury, which is understandable. Um, but I, I I look at this week, and, and I think a couple guys made some money for themselves. Um, off topic, but on topic. Yeah. You're Tommy yeah. Reese. You're the offensive coordinator at, Ohio, at Notre Dame. You got a young head coach. You guys are building something at your school, but all of a sudden, Nick Saban comes a-calling, and if you go to Nick Saban, you're not – you're not going anywhere after Nick Saban, assume you survive, other than a head coaching job at a power five. If you're Tommy Reese, what do you what 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 would you think about in terms of taking that job? Here's something about the Alabama offensive coordinator job. When you come to Tuscaloosa, you are running what Nick Saban wants you to run. You're not coming in there to be an innovator and to change things up. And to change, you know how they how, how they're already set up to run the offense. Look at look at the past OCs. Now you got Kiffin, Sarkeesian, Bill O'Brien. They've all run the same thing. It's been the same type of offense with a few little wrinkles in there. But this is Nick Saban's show, and a lot of people forget about that. You know, you you you, you he thinks he's only defense. You know, he thinks it's all you know, folks think okay, a defensive coordinator is gonna come in and run what Nick Saban wants. No, it's offense as well, because they've recruited around certain guys. Tommy Reese is a coordinator that I thought did a pretty good job last year. I think the year before, a bit better. I think that you you look at the situation with Marcus Freeman right now. Um it's hard to say no to Alabama and the money situation is probably pretty much it's, it's going to be around the same. It's around that $2 million mark. So to me, it's not about money and talking with a few folks. Um, they had a good enough conversation on Wednesday where Nick Saban was like, okay, <clears throat> go send the plane, go pick him and his fiance up. Let's get him down here. Let's talk about this. And, and, and something that people should keep in the back of their minds. You know, earlier this week, Nick Saban had a candidate drop out on him, say, no, I'm good. I don't want to come to Tuscaloosa. That's Ryan Grubb from Washington. 
that that was a publicity hit, unfortunately, for Saban. He is not going, and it's just my opinion, he's not going to take the risk of bringing down another candidate to Tuscaloosa only for them to turn around and say no. So I, I, I feel like this is a situation with Reese where he has an opportunity to go to Alabama. He's, he's hell, he's young too, man. He's only like 30 years old. So right. you, right. right. So go spend three years at Alabama. Then you're going to be a head coach by the age of 35. Like if you go do your thing at Alabama and you do it well, you'll be a head coach by the age of 35. Um, and, and I think that at Notre Dame, there are too many obstacles right now. You know, even though, and here's where it, it, it gets screwed up. Like if Tommy Reese left for Alabama, I feel horrible for Sam Hartman, the Wake Forest quarterback who just transferred to Notre Dame. So like that stinks. Like you come there, you're thinking you're going to work with one OC and now he's gone. I I just feel like if, and Reese has been off the job, according to some, I feel like if this is the situation that he wants to be in, if he wants to deal with Nick Saban, which, by the way, Nick Saban's a different animal than other college coaches. Like, if you thought you were going to get downtime, take a day, go to the lake, enjoy yourself, no, that ain't happening. Like, you might get that late in the summer, maybe a half a day off, maybe a day off, but I'm just telling you, it's a different animal, and and he's not going to come in there and be an innovator, he's going to come in there and run what Nick Saban wants him to run, and he can put his little flair on it. So that's an that's an interesting position right now, uh, OC at Alabama, and I think we're going to have final word on this thing probably, you know, at least by Saturday, I would imagine. Uh, I worked for Bob Knight for 12 years. I have not worked for Bob Knight since 1997, but to this day, If I'm on a golf course, and I swear to God this is true, and a golf cart is coming towards me, I have a quick flashback that it's Knight's secretary trying to get a hold of me. What the hell are you doing playing golf? Get your ass back in the office. Honest to God, I I swear to God, I'm 60 years old. I left Knight at 34 years old, and I still have that. Because it happens so much. If I was with my kids, all of a sudden a call would come. So to your point on Nick Saban, you're exactly right. You're And everybody that I know that's worked for him or that's worked for Belichick or those of us that work for Knight or Parcells, 100%, 1,000%. And you know what, Dan? It's not just the recruiting aspect. Bill O'Brien didn't want to no. – Bill O'Brien didn't want to recruit. That's, you know, that's what the problem with Bill O'Brien. You know, it got a little old at Alabama. Bill O'Brien didn't want to recruit. He didn't like the way with NIL and the transfer portal and all that stuff was going on, blah, blah, blah. Tommy Reese is going to be expected to go in there, be on the road, be gone, be be Alabama's face on offense when it comes to trying to what. So it's, a, it's not just, hey, guess what? I get to be the OC at Alabama. No, 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 no. You get to be the OC at Alabama, but you better realize what that comes. You got a lot more freedom at Notre Dame. You can do a lot more things at Notre Dame. You get to Alabama, you're in his world, baby. And that's fine. And you will be, you'll be accelerated. You will get a head coaching job. But I'm just telling you, that's a different animal down in Tuscaloosa than it might be in South Bend, Indiana. And you better not lose a game. 
<laughs> I'm just saying. You lose They're a game, have it's you. a freaking catastrophe. Speaking and of also losing they, games, before – go ahead. Yeah. No, I'm just saying also they don't have a quarterback right now. It's not like they have a Bryce Young. It's not like they have a Tua coming back. They got Ty Simpson. They got Jalen Milrow. They they got guys that nobody has really seen play yet. So that's another thing in itself. But sorry to interrupt. All right. No, no, no. You're a college basketball fan. I'm talking about losing. We got Auburn with Bruce Pearl coming back to Tennessee. Tennessee looked terrible. Actually, I thought they were going to come back. Tom Crean and I uh, talked about it. We got Kansas, who is seemingly writing itself, I don't know, uh, taking on Iowa State. My game is Indiana, uh, Purdue. We're all fired up about it. Auburn, Bruce Pearl coming back to the Vols. Give me your thoughts on some college hoops. Yeah, man, I, you know, it's always an intriguing game when you have Bruce Pearl coming back to Knoxville. Um, the, the the fans all clamor for Bruce, um, and he did a lot for the community. He he holds a special place in Tennessee's heart. Um, let's just say that, even with the things that went down. You know, if Rick Barnes were to retire tomorrow, Tennessee fans would be clamoring for Bruce to come back and resurrect things in, in Knoxville. Um, I think it's an interesting dynamic. I think the game tomorrow, Auburn's a young basketball team. They're still trying to figure themselves out. Uh, Tennessee laid an egg in Gainesville, and their problem is is that their offense, they go stale for five to six minutes. They might get on a, you know, they might, you know, it's like the Gators. They went on a 17 to two run twice in that basketball game. You know, Tennessee had a hard time responding to that, you know, just when you think they're getting back in it. I, I This matchup will be fun. Uh, it'll be a sold-out crowd. Um, I, I think that, you know, uh, that Bruce is going to get love when he comes on the court. I promise you ESPN cameras will show Bruce coming on the court, waving to the crowd, getting a standing ovation, and then, you know what, it, it's basketball time, uh, and you better sack up. So I, I it, it should be a fun game tomorrow. Both teams – are pretty fast going up and down the court, as you know. Um, so, I, you know, that's one that's on my radar. That Kansas-Iowa State game, I don't know what Kansas is doing. They're starting to figure things out again. You know, after they beat Kentucky, you're like, okay, all right, is this team out of this little funk that they're in right now? Can we get something down low? Uh, that's what stands out to me with Kansas right now and what they're doing. Um, I, I, I think another one to keep a – a close eye out on besides the rank matchups, Texas, Kansas state's going to be a fun one. I mean, I I'm sorry. I love what Kansas state is doing this year. Um, you look at Texas as well. I, I think that's a, that game is, by the way, I love Texas basketball arena as well. It's, it's awesome. Um, but the other game, Florida, Kentucky Saturday night, if Florida goes in and plays the same way they did against Tennessee, Florida can get that win at Rupp arena. And if that happens, Kentucky fans are Kentucky fans are on the brink of losing their minds right now. And I know, I know they've been playing kind of well a little bit, but Oscar Sheebway hasn't been himself this year, besides the one game where he went off for 27 and 24. And you look at them overall, you know, a month ago, they're ready for Calipari to go to Austin, Texas. Now they fell right. in love with him because he beat Tennessee. And then you've got a situation if Florida wins that game tomorrow night, they're going to be fireworks out of Rupp Arena and not the good ones. So I I would pay attention to that one tomorrow night, eight o'clock Eastern time. Um, I, I think that one could get intriguing. 
we'll we'll see what Florida can do. But a great slate out of conference um, games this weekend. I, I, you know, like, let's see what Gonzaga can do. You know, is is were they a blip earlier in the season? Or are they a team that that's going to make that run towards the Final Four? Um, just because I love Drew Timmy so much. Um, so it, it got a got a good weekend ahead, man. Got a little bit of football with the senior bowl, just a little bit. But we got a great day of basketball tomorrow and uh bring it on, brother. I'm with you. I am with you. All right, my friend. Enjoy the weekend. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Yeah, always appreciate it, Dan. Thanks, buddy. Well, that's Trey Wallace, man. Give him a follow. Are you kidding me? What's wrong with you? Trey Wallace underscore. Hey, I think we have it ready. Uh, AOC, whatever the hell her name is, lost her mind. Like, can we go back to, I don't know, maybe sort of, kind of, I don't know, electing adults? Not ones that are, I don't even know what she was doing. You know what I mean? Like, I'm always shaking it on this show, and it's glorious. But AOC... Well, let's show her. We got her. We, do we have that one ready? I think we do. Do we have her ready? Don't tell me that this is about an abdi- a condemnation of anti-Semitic remarks when you have a member of the Republican caucus who, have, who has talked about Jewish space lasers and, and an entire amount of tropes and also elevated her to some of the highest committee assignments in this body. This is about targeting women of color in the, in the United States of America. Don't tell me because I didn't get a single apology when my life was threatened. Thank you. No, it's about targeting an idiot. Uh, You can always make it about women of color, men of color. No, look, hey, look, if you want to be on committees, don't make anti-Semitic remarks. I have a family that's Jewish. My brother's wife, Jewish, raised their kids Jewish. I don't appreciate that Omar lady's anti-Semitic remarks. I don't appreciate her meeting with terrorists. I don't appreciate her tearing down our country. She came from a very bad place, came to our shores, was welcomed with open arms, built herself up to be in the, in, in the House of Representatives, and now she's out. Isn't about her little friends on the quote squad. It's about their power. And I don't know what all this is. She's trying to act like she's in a Baptist church so that people will say amen. You saw the lady behind her who had no idea what this woman was even speaking about going, oh, this is great. We legitimately, ladies and gentlemen, and this is very sad, but we legitimately have children, children in our leadership positions. We have a creepy moron that took showers with his daughter that enabled his drug-addled son to cheat, lie, and steal money from the Ukraine and other places. We have a crime family, basically, in office, and we have children in Congress. That's why I like guys like Jim Banks that are simply very plain spoken saying, look, we are going to get rid of this. And you see theatrics. It reminded me, and maybe some of you remember this, maybe some of you don't. When, uh, what's that? Al Gore first had his debate against, uh, uh, George Bush, HG, whatever, George W. Bush. And he put rouge on his cheeks on both sides to make himself look like, wait for it, Ronald Reagan. True story. I actually noticed it then. I'm like, what is this idiot doing? And he tried to talk like Reagan. And people caught on to it back when the media wasn't so ridiculous. They got caught on to it, made fun of him, and basically uh, Al Gore 
became the guy that's making millions off of this whole climate change thing that nobody knows anything about, yet everybody is trying to talk about it. And we worry about an 18-year-old girl named Greta something to lead us. What a freaking world this is, but I digress. That's what this reminded me of. Can you imagine, can you imagine how many times she sat in front of a mirror practicing this? This is nothing to do with you, me, their constituents, people of the United States protecting our interests. This, for these clowns, this, quote, squad, has everything to do with their power, and that's not why they were elected. They weren't elected for their power. They were elected to serve us, to do the best for us. And when you see these folks crying, bitching, whining, moaning, yes, I said bitching, get over it, guess what? You are seeing egotistical, maniacal people that are about them. They lost their way, and they lost it at a young age. This isn't like crazy-ass Nancy Pelosi in the middle of a pandemic talking about her expensive refrigerator and her expensive ice cream. That's just senility. These are young people that are so freaking engorged with power, they don't know how to handle it when somebody doesn't just lay back and take it from them, when somebody stands up to them. We see it all the time in every industry. We see it in coaching. We see it in business. We see it everywhere. Everywhere. Craig Matthews on the YouTube chat said, Lincoln stated, better to remain silent and thought ignorant than to open your mouth and prove it. Boom. See, I agree with the YouTube chat. We are the problem because we put up with this. There's nobody ever that knows what this Omar lady has actually been about that could say that she should be on an intelligence committee. But obviously, because nobody wants to hear the dreaded words, you are racist against women of color. Nobody wants to hear that in the media, particularly powerful white dudes in the media that are trying to maintain their jobs. Nobody wants to hear that. That's the worst thing you could hear. Can you imagine? Can you imagine hearing that? That's damaging. Like, all you got to do, if you worked at ESPN and you were a white dude, if anybody called you racist, oh my God, Norby Williamson is on the phone and you got to figure out another place to go. It's pretty amazing, really. It's absolutely amazing. Robert Brown says she was dressed nightly. You're sexist. You're sexist, Robert. I'm calling you out, pal. You were sexist. Yes, you were. Iron Man says the elimination of uh, communism should be done with extreme prejudice. I agree. We all should be prejudiced against those trying to put communism into our lives. We all should be prejudiced against those trying to destroy the nuclear family. We should all be prejudiced against those that are threatening our way of life. Because I got to tell you, our way of life is pretty damn good. Why do you think people are paying millions to cartels to come over here? Why do you think our borders are exploding, people dying to get out of Mexico? We've got more people that have entered this country illegally than currently reside in the state of Oklahoma. Why do you think that is? Well, you know why it is. Because we've got the greatest nation in the history of the world. But yet somehow, some way, we the people are sitting back 
fighting amongst ourselves and watching it go down the crapper. I don't want it to go down the crapper. It shouldn't go down the crapper. Sean Black, El Presidente. This is why he's El Presidente. Can't we just get normal, intelligent people in office? Here's the answer to that. The answer is most are. Sean, when most start running, it isn't because they are drunk with power. It's because they see something and they want to make the world better. But here's what happens. You get in power. You become drunk with power, engorged with power. You become somebody that thinks their power matters and you will do anything to keep that power. How do you think this crew or crowd or whatever the hell they call themselves, AOC and these idiots, the squad, how do you think they got in power? They used, well, we are women of color. You should be afraid of us. We are not afraid to call you out. And then they got powerful. When's the last time anybody ever, and I mean ever, stood up to any of these women and said, no, we're not going to have you do this. Well, you just saw first time, Omar, we're not going to have you on an intelligence committee because you cannot be trusted. Things you have done, if we were a normal society, at least what I have read, have been treasonous. But we'll never go after because of the dreaded, you're racist against women of color. I got to tell you, every single time I do this show, at some point between today's show, tomorrow's show, and in this case, Monday's show, I'll be called a racist. It's just the easiest, stupidest thing to do. You're a racist. Okay. All right. What are you going to do? <laughs> but I'm telling you, man, uh, it is the funniest thing to watch supposed, supposed adults throw a fit because they didn't get what they wanted and to throw that fit on the biggest of stages in the most powerful offices in the country shows you these people don't need to be in those offices. That's all I got on that. When we come back, the bank we worry about, the crap we worry about is in freaking credible. We'll talk about that when we come back. We'll be right back. Got to take a short break here. We are rolling with Don't At Me and you don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. You know, one of the things that I find fascinating in this world is the stuff that we worry about. But before we go to that, those of you that have listened to our show, whether it's on here or whether it has been in Indianapolis, you know I say, when you look at guys that act like fools in the NBA, in NFL, Major League Baseball, media, whatever, it's always the same people. I tell you this all the time. It's always the same guys. I mean, this goes back to a man named Steve Howe, who was a relief pitcher of really good relief pitcher, Dodgers, Yankees. He had like seven different drug, I don't know, suspensions. Like it was always like, oh man, what? Steve Howe is okay. All right. Steve Howe is, he did what now? Yeah, he got caught again. I've paid attention to this forever. It's always the same people. So it's no surprise that yesterday, Joe Mixon, he uh, breaking a girl's face, four broken bones in a woman's face while he was in college at Oklahoma, of course, is in trouble again. It's only a matter of time. How many times have we seen Pac-Man Jones get in trouble? How many times? 
I mean, I saw Pac-Man Jones at Colts camp. He was running around like a complete idiot, like a complete idiot. But because his stupidity, he became popular. Colts fans, Pac-Man. I'm like, you want to talk to this idiot? But anyway, so let's get back to Mixon. So Mixon decides, well, you know what? It's a good idea. I'm going to put a gun, allegedly, in someone's face. Now, we all know what's going to happen here because the criminal justice system isn't going to prosecute certain people. He was issued a warrant for his arrest. His agent says, hey, look, look, these will get dropped today, and I'm sure they will. Hell, we got guys in New York City that raped two little girls that got 180 days in prison. I mean, for whatever the reason, we are acquiescing to the worst among us. I'll never understand it. Here in Indianapolis, we've got a prosecutor named Ryan Mears, who the head of uh, the night commander for the Indianapolis Metropolitan Police Force told me this dude is literally, literally killing people with his acquiescing to certain communities instead of policing. It's unbelievable what's going on, but here's the deal. He allegedly pointed a gun at a woman and said, you should be popped in the face. I should shoot you. The police can't get me. Man, is he right. Police are so scared. Hey, we don't need our cities burning down. We don't need to arrest. That's stupid. Police are here to protect us. Police are here to protect society, our cities. That's what they're paid for. That's what we pay taxes for. Just because the idiot mayor, who knows where he was, a lot of people think he may have been intoxicated uh, the night here in Indianapolis when we had riots, was too chicken blank to do anything, and downtown Indianapolis still hasn't recovered, doesn't mean everyone should be. But see, criminals know, and Joe Mixon can only be described as a criminal when he says the police can't get me. Yes, it's a misdemeanor charge. Why was the misdemeanor, why was it a misdemeanor when on tape, Joe Mixon knocked out a young lady? Explain that to me. I'll hang up and listen. You won't have an answer. But we're getting a little tired of it. And it's time citizens start speaking. It's, and it's not a black or white thing. It's a human being thing. If you are conducting your life and your world as a human being, not a farm animal, not like a criminal, But if you are conducting your life as a human being, it's time you spoke up. That's why I love doing this show. There may be nobody that listens to this show, but there's going to be a tape of it, and I'm going to retweet it a thousand times because it is time for normal people to step up. But I go back to this, the stuff we worry about. Here's what we're worried about. Jay Leno is under fire for a joke. Now, we all know that Jay Leno is a comedian. Jay Leno, for those of you that don't know, I don't know who the host is on NBC. Maybe it's one of those Fallons, or maybe it's Kimmel, or I, I don't know who is, you know, does the Tonight Show anymore. It's uninteresting to me. They're too woke. They're too stupid. They're too, you know, whatever. But Leno tells a joke where he says, I crashed into Jeremy Renner's snowplow. Jeremy Renner, the, I'm actually watching the show right now, the mayor of Kingstown, got in a terrible accident that was so misrepresented. At first, he was made fun of for getting beat up by his snow blower, and then it came out that he saved his nephew when a snowplow was going to hit him. Jeremy Renner, the pictures show that he's all beat up. Oh, my God, Jay Leno made fun of it. 
Oh, Ucha Capesta, my eyes are burning. Can you believe that Jay Leno actually made a joke? And we're all upset. Well, I'm never going to talk to John Jay Leno again. I'm not doing anything that Jay Leno... Shut up! I think people that get so worked up about this should just shut the living hell up. The joke was, I was riding my motorcycle. This is when Leno, Leno just got in a wreck. I came around the corner, bam! I crashed into Jeremy Renner's snowplow. Josh uh, Dawson says, not funny. Renner broke 30 bones in the process of saving his nephew's life. Respect, pure guts. No one's saying he didn't. And this guy looks exactly like what you would think. Now, how is that funny? Brooke Hammerling says, I work with innovative founders of innovative companies. Oh, okay. Well, there you go, Brooke. Uh, Please school the veteran comedian who just had a serious accident but can joke about his incident, so that's what's funny. I'm just saying. I mean, people lose their mind. Wow, that is not even remotely funny. Not because he mentioned Renner, just because it's not funny. Now, I can get down with that. If something isn't funny, then hey, call it out for not being funny. But don't get all indignant. Don't get all crazy. Don't get all stupid because he made a joke. I didn't like the joke. Yeah, tough. The stuff we worry about, man. I mean, we're worried about Jay Leno telling a joke. Huh. Uh, I'll tell you what we should be worried about. Um, did you know there are tampons in the men's restroom at the universe or Vanderbilt University? Now that's some crazy stuff. Even, and this video was going around the other day, even Mr. Rogers said, boys are boys. They grow up to be men and girls are girls and grow up to be women. But not now. We got float. I don't think that's true. I think that's a spoof. There's no way a university would ever think to put tampons in a men's room. And be careful, ladies and gentlemen, about what Tony Dungy retweeted because a tweet can cause all the racists to come out you. Don't say that they are putting furries. Don't say, ladies and gentlemen, that they are putting kitty litter in bathrooms. That'll get you articles all across the country by every little racist white guy because racist white guy can't wait to jump on the side of crazy people. All right. When we come back, we got to get Haley set. The queen of TikTok. It's our favorite segment of the day because Haley, well, I think she did some studying on this. I think she's got some things to say on this. It's Haley against me against Dylan, against Ryan. We got videos from TikTok with the queen of TikTok next. We'll be right back.
Hey, we're not even messing around, Haley. Let's get right to it. You are the queen of TikTok. Thank you. Um, we have, you're very welcome. We have videos, old dogs, new trends. Walk me through what we're doing today. So today's a little different from the last segments that we've done. I'm kind of com been compiling. It's somewhat of an investigation compiling these videos on TikTok, trends that I've been seeing where conservative values are trickling into the mainstream, whether these creators realize it or not. Um, so the first thing that I've been no noticing recently is that a lot of people, liberals, maybe they're apolitical people, just normal creators have been reacting to trans influencers in a negative way. I have a montage together, let's roll it. Day 12 of being a girl and we're gonna go buy tampons. Day 7,425 of being a girl, and I'm getting pretty sick of this. I don't care who you love, I don't care who you date, I don't care how you dress or how you express yourself. But what you are doing is making a mockery of what it means to be a woman. Being a woman literally sucks sometimes. And I'm not complaining, I love being a woman. But womanhood is not a costume. We don't just play dress up all day and then cry and then do makeup and giggle and actually complete airheads, which is how you and Dylan and many similar creators like to represent women. Someone who does not menstruate, I'm non-binary, I don't menstruate, I... Okay, I'm no scientist or psychotherapist, but I'm sure the reason you don't menstruate isn't because you identify as non-binary Okay, I'm just putting this out there, I'm just spitballing. It could be because you're a man and you're not a lady or a woman. I mean... Just common sense Do you know, the there. next generation's absolutely... See this? I don't know. I, I guess I'm not woke, okay? Fine, you win with your gay stuff. That's what you want, right? So that, that last girl is reacting to urinals being put in a female restroom, a woman's restroom. So we're seeing a lot of these people just come out and say, listen, they're not afraid of being called a TERF or a trans exclusionary radical feminist. They're just saying like, listen, urinals don't need to be in the women's restroom. Tampons don't need to be in the men's room. It's just common sense. And people are unafraid to come out and say that because it's just the truth. I got to ask you, because my wife is like the one lady. She's like, man, what are we doing here? Like, I, being a woman is not the easiest thing. Being a right. man, it's easy. I mean, what do you do? You, you just walk around and scratch yourself all day. You guys got all kind of things going on. <laughs> um, but my wife, who is so pro-woman, is so disgusted by this. Do you have any other videos of this? That's all that I have for the um, the uprising against the trans community, um, at least for this week. But it's it's interesting too because I've been noticing like a lot of the trans influencers. Dylan Mulvaney is one of the most prominent ones. He has millions and millions of followers, um, and throughout her transition, um, she's been so positive, so positive, so happy-go-lucky. It's it's lovely to actually see someone you know feel happy in their skin again i i celebrate that what people are saying now though is that dylan's transition has been going so well or at least 
she's glamorizing this on the internet, but that's not really the truth for a lot of trans people who go through these transitions. They're mentally ill, they're depressed, they're, they don't have the same access to these facial feminization surgeries and things that are becoming so popular on TikTok. So it's really just this glamorization of the transition, which is actually really, really hard for most people in that community. So it's interesting to see people just, um, you know, it's positive, but there's also like a downside to it as well. I think this. Okay, like I'm, I'm all for, and the lady said it there. I don't care who you sleep with. I, it doesn't matter to me. Exactly. I don't care whether you want to be, you know, a man or a woman. But, but don't mock women. Don't mock women because you've decided. And I think a lot of these people. I think. I would you agree with this? It, it's quote cool in some societies or communities to act like a woman, to play dress up like a woman videotape yourself as a woman, sure. but that's the only reason you're doing it. Right. I mean, there's so much more to being a woman than putting on a wig yes. or dressing up like a woman. Um, and you can buy tampons all you want, but you'll have nowhere to put them. So um, it's just, right. it seems like um, there's so much more to being a woman where um, these Trans people will never understand what it's like to have a first period or to walk through a parking garage at night and fear for your life because you can't defend yourself or you have to worry about, you know, all these other threats that women have to deal with on a daily basis. And there's just there's it's just something that they probably will never experience. Um, and if they do, I, I feel sorry for them. <laughs> Right. I mean, it, you know, to, to me, it, it just it, 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 it's an attempt. And I don't understand why we do this. I don't understand why we um, attempt to denigrate women and sexualize children. This is something, honest to God, Haley, on my show, I think I talk about it every day. If you're going to say list of things that Dan talks about every freaking day, yes. it's those two things. I just don't get it. Like, I think if you are an adult, what is in your brain that makes you want to dress up seductively and dance in front of a child? That, to me, there is a sickness there, and I don't understand what would make you want to do that. It's sick. I, listen, I don't wish harm on anyone, um, but people who threaten children, um, don't let children grow up and just be a child, you are sick, sick, sick in the head. We should be protecting women and children first and foremost. And if our society has gotten to a point where we cannot protect those groups anymore, I don't know where we've gone, but we've gone too far. That's exactly right. I mean, every time I see one of these drag shows, and I've had people argue with me, well, those things aren't really happening in front of children. I'm like, well, then you're not paying attention uh, because they, they, they clearly are. Back to the woman thing. Let me ask you a question. I know I'm stupid. I know I live my life in a very simplistic way. You know, you've met me. There's nothing deep here, Haley. It's, you <laughs> know, it's, it's fueled by, it's, it's fueled by uh, tacos and Bud Light. That's all I got. <laughs> but, uh, but, <laughs> it's the diet but of I champions, always ask, <laughs> I know. Um, I don't understand how this is so complicated. Like, I go back to the whole bathroom thing. I remember saying Indiana was under attack. We're not coming to Indiana. And I'm like, hey, if there's a problem, just put a bathroom that says men's and women's 
you know, put a stall, put up, and, and it, you go in one or two at a time. I mean, what's the problem? I, we make this or, so freaking complicated, or Haley. Or just have singular stalls from now on. Just everyone goes into the bathroom one at a time and call it a day. But, Dan, there's more to this investigation. I want to play for you another trend that I've been seeing. Women have been leaning into their feminine energy. That's what they're calling it. Um, Dylan, roll this one. I think men are better than women. She's kidding. No, I'm not. They provide for us, and we must obey them because they are our masters. April. So there's a woman not wanting to plow and wipe the snow off of her car because that's a man's job, and men are better than women. Obviously a joke here, but it's becoming popular for women to complain about going to their corporate nine-to-five job. They're complaining about, um, you know, lifting things and building things. That's for men. That's a man's job. And it just, it's funny because now people on TikTok love to just rebrand things. This is conservative gender roles. Traditional gender roles are now just becoming feminine energy and masculine energy and that we should be leaning into those things. This is just basic stuff, Dan, um, but they're kind of rebranding it and making it a new trend. Um, and of course, these people, if you told them, hey, this is actually like a conservative viewpoint, they would probably, you know, freak out and be like, no, that's 1950s stuff. I don't actually believe that. Um, but it's funny to see women kind of leaning into this. I'd be much happier at home raising a family, baking, doing creative things, and men should be doing, you know, labor. They should be going off to war. I mean, there are all these jokes about that. So it's just interesting to see, um, you know, kind of these traditional gender roles and conservative viewpoints coming to light now. Where are you on that? Listen, I love my job. I actually, so I don't think that this is like a hard and fast rule where like, all women should stay home. Of course, you should. This is a free country. You should do whatever you want to do. Um, but it is interesting because, like, I love baking, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I would love to be a stay-at-home mom one day. That's that's not that should be celebrated. Anything that a woman wants to do, anything that a man wants to do, should be celebrated. But I just find that it's interesting that um, these conservative viewpoints or traditional viewpoints are kind of becoming mainstream again. Uh, I gotta tell you, you've met my wife, right? Yes. Um, in our in our living room right now is you know two horses and you know horses are things you put the uh, the, the table on whatever, and we have cabinets. She's painting the cabinets in the middle of our kitchen. The other day, we and I'm like, aren't I supposed to be doing that? She goes, <laughs> no, no. And and the other day, I went out. We went out to the car. And she grabbed, this is true story. I get in the car, the car's filled with snow. She grabs my scraper from the back. I turn the car on and she's out there scraping it. Listen, I roll down the window. Strong, she's a strong woman. Women should, women can do pretty much everything that men can do. Yes. Um, and that's a beautiful thing, but it's just funny to see, um, you know, women being like, yay, I actually would love to stay home and not go to my nine to five job. <laughs> <laughs> There's no, nothing too Haley, bad about that. Haley, I rolled down the window as she was scraping. I go, you know what? I go, I love being married to a man. This is freaking awesome. I love it. And she wanted to punch me, but hey, freak, yeah, yeah. What else you got? All right. One last thing here. This is a trend that I keep seeing. 
Um, Christian Walker, you know Herschel Walker, of course. His son yeah. is a massively influential uh, creator on TikTok, on Instagram, and on all social media platforms. But first and foremost, he's a conservative influencer. That's really how he started. Now he's on TikTok, and he has kind of this newfound fame and popularity where He's not really talking about that like rah-rah MAGA Republican type stuff anymore. What he's doing is he's talking about dating trends and celebrities. And um, in these videos, he's kind of sneaking in conservative or Republican values, like family values and the importance of, you know, raising children in a wonderful, healthy home you know, the dangers of divorce and fatherlessness. Um, so let's roll this video. The people are loving it on both sides of the aisle. Men are flabbergasted at how Pete Davidson has managed to date all of the hottest women in Hollywood. So I have a bit of insight for all our men wondering what his superpowers are. He makes them laugh and he's nice to them. Ever thought of filtering that into your dating techniques, men? Being nice, coming up with a, a nice date idea instead of inviting a girl over at 10.30 p.m. on a Thursday night to come get a quickie in before you have a, a short Friday at work and then go get drunk with your boys all weekend. Ever thought of putting some thought in to your dating? He's nice and he makes them laugh. Tell a joke. Damn. <laughs> so, of course... Christian Walker making jokes there about Pete Davidson dating the hottest women like Kim Kardashian and Kaya Gerber and all these things. And he's like, men, you can do this too. You just have to make women laugh, plan a damn date, do something nice for them. Um, so these are the kinds of videos that he's putting out, not necessarily conservative, but he's telling man, men to man up. And here are some of the comments on that video. Christian Walker redemption arc. Who are you and where did you put 2021 Christian Walker? Okay, I'm really starting to like this guy a bit. When did I start agreeing with Christian Walker? He's the realest person on this app. This dude hasn't been missing lately. So people are really buying into his videos. They get millions of views. So I don't know, the more that we keep doing this where conservatives are on the app, they're gaining popularity. They kind of sneak in these um, conservative viewpoints. I mean. This is why I keep saying, like, I understand the risks of being on TikTok. I get that. But at the same time, conservative lawmakers need to be using this app as a tool to get to younger voters because conservatives have practical viewpoints and policies. If you just communicate them the right way, people will buy into them because they make sense. When I, when I started this job, listen to this one. Yeah, roll this was one. The 2022 midterm elections and Gen Z basically decided the election. Republicans were projected to take back the House and the Senate and Gen Z showed up in numbers we'd never seen before, voted 63% for the Democrats and ended the projected red wave. Regardless of whether you're a Republican or a Democrat, I think we can all agree the Gen Z vote is here to stay and only getting more important. The yeah, message is short and clear. Engage us and earn our vote or you can lose. The GOP actually scoffed at how the Democrats did young voter outreach. They utilized social media, they utilized influencers, and while the GOP was laughing, the Democrats were flipping the election. Engage us, earn our vote, or enjoy losing. It's the damn truth. I keep saying this, conservatives cannot ignore or ban TikTok. And let me just say this, 
while we have our um, while we have our heads in our phones, we have a Chinese surveillance balloon in the sky above us. So are our priorities really in the right place here? Because if you take every American off of TikTok, China will still be a threat. Yeah, and we didn't do anything about it. The balloon just flew and it took, it was by new, and we're just like, hey, did you see what the Kardashians did today? It's unbelievable. What are we? Hey, Haley, the shit we, oh, excuse me, the stuff we worry about. <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm telling you, it's incredible. Let me, let, last thing before, before I let you go. Um, do you believe that's why Pete Davidson dates pretty women? Do you think, let me, like for me personally, all right, yeah. I open every door, I open the car door, blah, 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 blah. I do all that kind of stuff. Uh, I get it. I'm, I'm in, like people always ask me, well, you know, Lee certainly overachieved. I go, no, or underachieved or whatever. I go, no, 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 I make her laugh. Shut up. Every day we, we laugh. That's important, 100%. right, to a woman? No? A hundred percent. These are the things that are important. Treat a woman nicely, and she'll probably date any, you know, it doesn't matter what you look like. I personally don't think that Pete Davidson's attractive. There, I have friends who think that he's the hottest guy on earth. Whatever, I don't agree. But honestly, you can't ignore with a man who treats a woman right. Plan a date. You said that. Plan a damn date. Exactly. Like, like, when I'm a pig, my wife always says, uh, a little romance, Dan. And then I go like this, and I'm back to being Rico Suave. You know what I mean? Exactly. <laughs> That's good stuff. Thanks for that. That's important stuff, too, actually. Thank you for that, Haley. Thanks, Dan. She's awesome. We end our week every day with the best segment of the week. It's just kind of what we do. I want to thank everybody for coming on. I got to thank our guys, do Dylan guys like and it? Ryan and Ch Chuck and Corey and everybody else for being involved. Aaron, for giving a rats and texting me all the time. I mean, look, I want everybody to have a great weekend. I've got Indiana winning by seven. I think the line is two and a half. We'll see where it ends up, but I got IU beating Purdue this weekend by seven. I got Tennessee Bouncing back, I have St. Mary's losing to Gonzaga, big, and then the rest I honestly don't care about. So there you go. Have a great weekend, everybody. Go Hoosiers! Hoo, hoo, Hoosiers!